Alrighty. Romans 4 verse 16 says this, Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it be might, might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Let me pause there. We are going to carry on. This is, you know, Paul articulating again this profound truth of the, the kingdom that we now live in, right? The new covenant that actually the way that we um, become friends with God, we are made right with God and we walk with him is not about the law anymore. It's all about grace. It's all about us having faith in what Jesus has done. That, that's the way that we come in. And, and he talks about Abraham being the father of faith. Um, so for both those, it says, um, not only to those who are of the law, so those who are born into the Jewish context, where actually keeping the external law, the requirement that God gave the Jewish people, that was how they became right with God. So he's, he's their father, but not only them, but to all the rest of us as well, the Gentiles, the non-Jews who are not in that context of the law anymore. But the deal is the promise, the promise of this kingdom and all the promises within the kingdom come by faith. So it's by grace, not about performing, not about earning it, not being measuring up, keeping the rules, you know, hitting a certain standard. It's all by grace and it's guaranteed. I love this, verse 16. It may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. So wherever we come from, wherever we find ourselves, it's guaranteed to all of us and we access it by faith. The Phillips translation of those verses 16 and 17 say this, the whole thing then is a matter of faith on man's part and generosity on God's part. Right? That's, that's the good news. It's the grace and generosity of God and faith on our part. That's the deal. That's the gig. Um, faith is how we access it. And so in this passage, Paul in Romans 4, Paul is kind of unpacking a little bit about what did it look like for Abraham's faith in order to access a promise. Now, if you've not been knocking around church long, maybe not. Um, maybe the Bible's new to you. I want to be clear, we, people, I don't want to presume everybody knows who Abraham is. So Abraham is a man we find in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, kind of chapters 12 to 25, his story and his journey. And, and he is a man who God came to and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with so many descendants, they're going to outnumber the stars. And through you and your descendants, I'm going to bless all nations. So he has this amazing encounter with God, this huge promise that God comes to him. Now the the interesting part of the story is that when God comes to him in Genesis chapter 12 is the first time we read about um, this covenant promise that God makes with Abraham. And he reaffirms that promise. He reminds it of him multiple times through Genesis. But Genesis chapter 12 is the first time when he comes and says, I'm going to bless the whole world through your descendants. I mean, that's a big promise, right? The difficulty with that promise is right then is Abraham is a 75-year-old man with no children. You know, married for decades, no children, childless. And... Um, so there's a promise that comes which looks not just unlikely, but looks pretty much impossible. So that's, that's the context. That's where this promise was spoken into. And that's why Abraham's faith is so amazing. And that's what I want to unpack this morning. But it, so it carries on in verse 18, kind of Paul explaining a little bit more about this process of Abraham's faith, meaning he entered into that promise that his offspring would bless the whole of the nations. Make sense? Happy? All right, let's carry on. Verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, in his faith, 
he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. All right, that's a meaty bit of scripture, right? There's some big theological principles in there, but I want to I pull out... Um, Abraham's example of faith, because he is, he's a father to us and he models something of walking this walk of faith that actually I think we can really learn from. And I love it, it says in verse 23 that it was credited to him, it was counted to him as righteousness. So it's almost like, you know, Abraham's spiritual bank account suddenly had this transfer from God's bank account of righteousness all of a sudden, purely because Abraham believed he had faith in what God said, and so it was credited to him. Not just for him, though. You know, he modelled something of what it was for us in this new covenant where actually we are credited righteousness, if you like. Our bank account becomes full with the righteousness of God, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done and our choice to believe. Say, so I believe that that is what happened. But I love it. So even this story is like actually what he modelled in this kind of journey of faith – you know, anything in the reading the Bible, it's not, it's not just that it's an interesting story about Abraham. It's for us. There's stuff for us to learn in that. And I felt like I wanted to, this passage, I kind of felt like God dropped into my head a few weeks ago and I was thinking about what I wanted to share this week. Um, but then actually when Danny was sharing last week, it really made me think, yeah, God's, it just encouraged me. It's like, yeah, this is, this is the journey we're on. So who was here last week? Who and Danny? So encouraging, so inspiring. Um, so right. It's like, you know what? We should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. Like as God's kids, as God's people, we should be those who dream, actually who live with an expectation. You know, we don't just kind of live with the you know, stuff that's going on around our feet. Actually, we should have big dreams and big visions because we serve a big God. Um, but I was thinking, actually for some of us, the, some of us the journey is actually that oh, actually, I've stopped dreaming. I don't actually have much expectation that God would do anything particularly in my life or through my life. Actually, I'm kind of just functioning. I'm not really living dreaming. So I love you know, Danny just speaking in and saying, hey, listen, we should be dreaming. And for some of us, that's the journey. It's like, oh, I've stopped dreaming or I never knew I could. And, and what does that look like to start? But, but from that place... I was thinking, okay, like if we're supposed to live with hope. We're supposed to have dreams, but then what? How do I get from where I am now to the things that I'm dreaming for, the things that I feel God's promised, the sort of seeds of destiny and purpose that I, you know, somewhere deep down inside of me, how do I get from there into the promise? And this, this was what Abraham's journey was. And the simple, you know, the simple truth is that the promise is accessed by faith. It's realized through faith. That's what he says in the beginning of this passage. Um, so how do we live looking towards that and this connection between hopes and dreams and faith and trusting in God? That's the journey. And I love these verses because, it, honestly, it, it really encourages me. You know when you kind of read bits of the Bible and you think, oh, I'm not the only one. You sort of recognize yourself. Abraham had to navigate this tension of, here's a promise and what I desperately long for and hope for and believe for, and yet the promise is here, but I find myself here. And, and there's a gap. 
right? You, you can recognize that. There's times where like, there's the things that I'm believing for, I'm praying for, I'm standing on, and yet they seem like they're there. And there's a big gap. I don't find myself there. We live in that tension, if we're honest. I live in that tension of what God says and actually the reality of where I find myself. Anyone else? You kind of, there's a tension. So Abraham, you know, he has this incredible, like, almost overwhelming promise that his, you know, the number of his descendants and their impact and that actually through them the, all of the nations would be blessed. That's a massive promise. But there's a massive problem in the facts that he is a 75-year-old man. You know, he and his, ch- his wife are infertile and not able to have children. The facts of the matter, his reality, were in complete contradiction to actually the promise of God. There's this huge insurmountable gap. So then what? And the, the deal is, it's faith. Faith is always the thing that's going to fill that gap between where we find ourselves and the thing that God's spoken over us and calling us to and promised us. Faith is what fills the gap. Um, and I want to look what that looks like. Um, because, you know, I absolutely believe everything I read in the Bible. So when Jesus said, there's this beautiful encounter in Mark 9 where um, a man brings his sick son to Jesus and says, you know, if it's possible, would you heal him? Um, and Jesus says, you know, Anything is possible for those who believe. I, like, I believe that. I believe we are born to look impossibility in the eye and see it by the name of Jesus. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. But so often, I find myself like this boy's father, who in response to Jesus' anything is possible declaration says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Like he's articulating this, he's articulating the gap. But actually, the things that I want to believe for, but actually where I find myself. So if we're going to be the most hope-filled people, we're going to be those who dream and see our dreams fulfilled, we have got to learn what does it look like to walk in faith. And like I, I'm quite a pragmatic kind of soul, so I'm like, I like the kind of aim high, big, aspirational, dream big, but I, I'm always at the end of that going to go, what do I need to do? How, how do I get there? Anyone else? Like, I, I want to know what that looks like. And so I think there are three things that I want to highlight from, from Abraham's journey and his tension that we can really learn and I think are absolutely critical in us walking in and by faith. And that's what we're called to. All right? So three things from Abraham's life. Face facts. Secondly, don't waver over what God said. And thirdly, remain convinced that God is able. I'm going to unpack those three things. Let me read again. Let's read again um, verses 19 to 21. Listen to this. So without weakening his faith, he faced the fact his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's room was also dead. He faced the facts, right? I don't think, in fact, I'm absolutely certain, you and I do nobody any favours, ourselves included, by not facing facts. By being the kind of fingers in our ears, la, 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 Jesus loves me, Christians, without, uh, who, and we're unwilling to acknowledge the reality of our circumstances. That is not faith, that's denial, and it's daft. That's not what we're called to do. And I love that it's right there in the Bible. Abraham faced the facts. You know, he was by this point, this is 25 years later, after the first time God came and said, I'm going to bless all nations through your descendants. 25 years, still being childless, till he was over 100 when eventually this promise was fulfilled. But Abraham, this is the thing I love. The first, the first thing we've got to do if we're going to walk in faith is acknowledge the facts, acknowledge the reality. And God specifically, I think, puts that bit in Romans 4. Like he honours that part of Abraham's journey specifically. 
Abraham was somehow able to face the facts, but it says, but his faith wasn't weakened. And that's the key, right? Because often we, we do one of two things. We're either in denial and we pretend everything's fine and we come to church, how's things? Great. You know, even though I'm not speaking to my husband and my bank account, I'm, heavy, you know, I'm drowning in debt and like there's chaos all around me. But I'm fine. Like, that's not faith. That's at best denial. At worst, it's just flat out lying. Like, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to face the fact and yet in doing that, not our not have our faith weakened. So we either can do one thing, we can deny the facts and think somehow that's faith and it isn't, or we face the facts, but we're only facing the facts and we're so aware of them that actually that entirely weakens our faith. And we're limited to what we can see, feel, touch, be aware of, understand, feel like we can do within our own ability. That's not faith either. That's just doing life. That's not what we're called to either. So somehow we've got to figure out what does it look like for me to face facts and yet remained absolutely firm in my faith. So I have to acknowledge the reality, but in doing that, also acknowledge there's a greater reality. So I, you know, I fully look at the situation. I accept the size of the problem, maybe the reality of the impossibility, but the, I stand on the fact that, yeah, but the God I serve says nothing is impossible. So yes, this is the circumstances, but yes, this is who God is. To Abraham, you know, he's in this situation where he's like, God says, my descendants are going to outnumber the stars, but I am 100 years old with no children. Here's these two things he's holding, but he's able to navigate that tension because he still says, but God said. So this is the second part. We, we acknowledge the facts, but we come back to being unwavering in, but God has said, he has promised, and that therefore is the greater reality. I'm not denying my situation. I'm not denying the diagnosis my doctors have given me. I'm not denying the state of my bank balance. But I'm standing on the fact God has said. And that, therefore, is a greater reality. And that then redefines where I'm at right now. That's what faith looks like. So acknowledge there, you know, maybe there is a storm raging in whatever context. But actually, my faith is in the one whose voice still commands the wind and the waves. So I can rest. You know, I acknowledge... Maybe I am struggling with debt. My finances are not working out. But I serve Jesus who fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, and he promised to provide for all of my needs. So, yes, I'm acknowledging my circumstances, but God has said, so I walk in faith. You know, we can maybe look at a situation or a relationship and think, that just looks hopeless and bleak and there's no life in it. But Jesus is the one who took water and turned it into wine and who promises to restore all things and make all things new. So I have hope again, because God said. I'm not denying there's a big disconnect or there's a big problem, but God said. Don't, you know, don't deny maybe there's health things going on. Maybe you know, the doctors are giving a certain diagnosis. Like, don't pretend they're not, but remember God who heals all your diseases. Like, we have to understand, yes, this is the, I'm going to face the facts, but there is a greater reality attached to the God that we serve that changes everything. And faith is facing the facts but being unwavering in but God said, which is why you have to know what God says. We have to be rooted in the word because otherwise the facts will be really noisy in your head sometimes. If you don't know what God has said, then you're absolutely going to be persuaded and anchored and limited to the facts, the reality. Does that make sense? So I'm not asking us. Let's not be those Christians who pretend everything is rosy and and there's not ever stuff going on. That's ridiculous. And it's not faith. 
But let's be those people who acknowledge, who look that giant square in the face, but we look our eyes up a little bit and think, yeah, but there's Jesus over all things. That's what faith looks like. That's what Abraham was able to do. It's what he modeled to us. And so his, his faith, his ability to face facts, it's a real tongue twister, that. Face facts, but not waver in his faith, was attached to these two things. His absolute certainty over what God has said, and also the fact that he was convinced God was able. Let me read again to you, Romans 4, 20 and 21. This is actually the um, ESV version. It says this. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Listen, faith is incomplete if I just believe what God has said and I'm not actually convinced that he's able to perform that. We need both those things, aspects of faith. And I love it that it says he grew strong in his faith. So that tense implies to me it was a process. It wasn't just, you know, as a 75-year-old man. And if you read Abraham's story, I'd encourage you to read those chapters. It, like, there were some twists and turns. There were some bumps on the way. Actually, he, he became strong in his faith. He became convinced that was God was able. But he definitely at points wondered and, and and worried, and actually at points tried to fulfill God's promise through his own means by sleeping with his, serv- his wife's servant girl. Well, I'll have a son this way. He's like, no, that's not God's promise. Like he was, he was at that point probably not convinced that God was able to work that out. So, oh, well, I'll probably try and figure it out my own way. But, but even the fact that God doesn't record that bit in Romans, when he's championing Abraham as a hero of faith, that's all forgotten and he's remembered as a man who didn't waver. That's how good God is. He doesn't remember us according to our worst moment. He cheers us on at the point when we give him our yes. It's beautiful. So he grew strong. So yes, there was a process for Abraham and he didn't get it right all the time, but he did become strong and able to be landed in a place where he was fully convinced God was able to do what he had promised. Because here's the thing. I look at the facts and I look at myself and I'm fully aware I am, um, I'm unable. I feel disqualified. I feel unworthy. I feel like I have not got anything in me to be able to get myself to hear that promise. And like that's all of us, right? But the thing is, we're not dependent on either of the facts of the situation or our ability. We're dependent on God has said and he is able. That's it. Full stop. That's the end of the story. I might feel massively unable. In fact, I do most of the time. But the thing is, but God is able. Let me read to you. Um, so that verse in, um, in Romans 21, that word, able. So it says, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So it wasn't just that God said he'd do it. He was absolutely able to fulfill that promise. So that word, able, the original Greek word, is the same. it comes from the same root word, um, dunamis, which is the Greek word for power. So, and it's, it's that power that is inherent in God's character. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, right? It's that life resurrecting power that is what God's ability is based on and that's why cancer cannot come anywhere near it God's resurrection power that's God's ability and that's what our faith is in not in our ability but God's ability let me read some other points um this idea of actually God being able look at some of the other things the Bible tells us Romans seven twenty five is one of my favorite verses I love it, it says this Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
He's able to save to the uttermost, not just about, but to the uttermost. The Amplified version of that one says, um, he's able to save to the uttermost, perfectly, finally, completely for all time and eternity. That's how able he is to save you and I. It's good news. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us. That's, that's encouraging, right? So the things that you're hoping for and dreaming for, he's able to do immeasurably more than those things. And honestly, it is like we sometimes we, we waver at the things that look a bit unlikely, whereas we're called to be unwavering in the things that are impossible. And he wants to do even immeasurably more than that. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's able to, having all sufficiency in all good things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Jude 24 says this, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That is such a beautiful verse. Because honestly, guys, there's stuff that trips us up. There's stuff that takes us out. And often in this journey of faith, it's those times of disappointment, which they're really hard, which is why it's this whole, listen, facing the facts is really important. And one of the facts that we have to face sometimes, so Abraham's initial fact was, we are childless and infertile. The other fact he had to face was, God promised this 25 years ago, and I still haven't seen the fulfillment of it. Sometimes the fact is, we're waiting way longer than we thought. This is not working out how I wanted. Or actually, this is the, the times when I believed for something and it didn't happen. It's really supremely challenging and difficult. And those things, honestly, they can feel like, I feel like the rug has been pulled from underneath me. And I don't want to ever minimize, actually, the, the pain of those things. It's why the Bible says, you know, when hope deferred makes the heart sick, it's, it's gutting. It's like, actually, the thing I desperately believe for, long for, pray for, isn't happening or didn't happen. It's really hard. But we get to have faith in there because we hold on to these two things. But God has said, and he's able. And in that context, he's able to keep every single one of us from stumbling if we hold on to him. Such a beautiful verse. Final one. Acts 20, 32 says this. Now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you inheritance with all those he has set apart from himself. This is the life of faith. That's the deal. We're entrusting ourselves to a God who is able to build us up, to give us an inheritance, and to keep us safe, keep us from stumbling. God is able, and he has said. That's what Abraham modeled to us. Ability to be entirely real about the situation, but believe what God said, and that he was able to do it. He didn't let the facts of a situation persuade him out of a position of faith. His belief in, but God said, trumped everything else. I love that. That's the, that's the journey. And there is this connection, you know, I want to say, actually, a life of faith is not just about believing certain things about God. Like, believe the right things about God, right? Know who he says he is. Know what the Bible says. It's really important we believe those things. But it only becomes a life of faith when I am willing to put my trust in the things that I say I believe about God. Make sense? Let me give you an example. Who's ever done um, a go ape or any of those sort of treetop, high ropes type challenges? You've done those? I love those things. I'm, I was a total tomboy as a kid, probably still am. At my happiest, up a tree. And so I kind of, I still love doing those things. I've, um, I remember doing one once with Phil and the kids when we were on holiday. And um, 
It was a really challenging course. Like, I like those things, and I'm not scared by them, and I'm straight in, no worry. But this one was really quite challenging, and it was, it was built, you started it, at, it was built over a valley. So you started high, and you went low. So there were some real drops in it. Um, and you know you go, you know, there's various different things, and you sort of swing on things, you step for things, there's zip wires, you climb bits, there's all sorts of things. But then I remember coming to this point where... You're on, I was on a platform, and you're, you know, you're attached to this harness all the way around. And to get to the next station, you basically had to step off this platform, and there was this somehow this weighted pulley system that just took your weight and gradually lowered you to the ground. But the first bit, you kind of you drop, and then it kind of kicks in and lowers you down. And it was quite challenging. And it, listen, this is the example. I can stand on that platform all day long and say, you know, I believe lots of other people have lowered themselves down there safely. You know, I believe in this rope. I believe this company of, you know, they've, they've done all the sums. They know the physics. You know, they've done the health and safety risk assessment. I be, you know, I believe that this is safe. And I can believe all those things. But that's not faith. Faith is stepping off and putting my trust in this rope and harness. Right? That's what faith looks like. So we have to, we have to understand there's believing in, believing things about God is not it. A life of faith is actually I'm trusting myself to this God who I say I believe in. And that's faith. Even in the time when the facts seem to contradict it. Even the times when that's challenging. Even the times when you know, that initial step is, is this going to hold? And it's scary, right? I forget who it is, but someone's a beautiful quote my great auntie used to have in her nursing home on her wall. And she said, faith is reaching a hand out in the dark and finding it held. Like, that's the thing. We don't, we don't have all the answers. And there's, there's often this gap. There's often those whys. And honestly, some of those whys, we don't get answered. And that's hard. But we get to live this life of faith, and we can be absolutely sure of. But God said, and he's able. That's what it looks like, actively putting our trust in him. And here's where I want to land. The beautiful thing is something amazing happens when you and I believe God and put our trust in him. Let me read from Romans 15, verse 13. Um, it says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in your faith. Other translations say, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. So in that process of stepping off that platform and trusting in the things we say we believe, that God would fill us with hope, uh, fill us with joy and peace. And then listen to this, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. So we are supposed to be the most hope-filled people, right? And hope is not just wishful thinking, oh, I hope it doesn't rain at the farm this afternoon. I hope it doesn't rain at the farm this afternoon. But, you know, that's never a massively positive hope in Manchester other than the last two months but like, we've, we've missed it if we think hope is kind of you know vague wishful thinking biblical hope is a confident expectation good stuff's coming in the future fully acknowledging the facts of where I'm at right now what's going on but hope is looking ahead and I can smile that's the Proverbs 31 woman right she looks at the future and smiles because she has hope we should be hopeful. I love this phrase. Our whole life and outlook, whatever we're looking at, whatever we're facing, should be radiant with hope. But that happens as we trust in God. Can you see there's this, so there's this constant sort of dance between believing God, trusting in him, and having hope again for the future. And because I have hope, I have an expectation that good stuff happening, I'm able to step out again. I'm able to trust again because I'm defined and driven by hope all the time. 
because I believe that God has said and I also believe that he's able. That's the journey of faith. That's what Abraham modelled to us, this confident expectation that we dare to dream and look forward with expectation. 1 Peter 1 talks about the living hope that we've been born into. It's a beautiful passage. And the New Living Translation says this, now we live with great expectation. I remember reading that one day and thinking, well, do I? Do I live with great expectation? Because here's the bottom line, I should and you should. We should because we've been born again by the mercy of God in this living hope. We should absolutely live with great expectation, which means I can absolutely face difficulty. One of the bravest things to do sometimes is to be vulnerable and acknowledge the stuff. I was watching a Brenny Brown thing yesterday and she said she would define, she says, vulnerability is the greatest marker of courage. And that's what we get to, we get to be real and honest and vulnerable and face facts. But we are unwavering and we grow strong because we are convinced God is able and we are certain But God has said. That's the journey of faith. And it's hard sometimes. And this is why family matters. So the days when the things that you're believing for seem so out of reach, you need someone else to come alongside and say, I believe this for you. I have faith for you. That's, it's beautiful. We don't get to do this on our own. So I encourage us. I believe we should be people who dream. I believe our outlook for our lives, our family, our children, our city, our country should be radiant with hope. I don't care what I read in the newspaper. I believe that there's good things ahead of us as a nation. I don't, I'm not going to get defayed by the things I see maybe going wrong in the church because I believe Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride. Like, I believe those things. So my outlook is radiant with hope. Fully acknowledge the stuff. The context, the culture, the things that we're living in, the difficulties some of us are facing, fully face those facts. But remember, don't waver over what God has said and absolutely remain convinced that he's able. Let me read one last verse. Um, this is in Luke one thirty-seven, where the angel is coming to Mary. It says this. This is the Amplified Version. It says, For with God, nothing is ever impossible and listen to this, no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Every word he's spoken comes with power to see it fulfilled. And we get the delight of being those people full of faith saying, God, I trust you. I cannot see how this works out. This feels so unlikely, but God, I trust you. That's the journey. So would you stand? I want us to pray for one another.